space fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Visitors Podcast, where we're delving deep into season one of For All Mankind. I'm your host, Louis Ryan, and as always, I have my co-host, Mr. Mike Levito. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. And uh, Sparky, are you going to say hi, Bob? <laughs> Whoa, settle down, boy. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Bob, uh, how are you doing this week? I'm, I'm doing... I wish I had memorized the dialogue for the rest of that Newhart episode. Um, uh, the Bob Newhart show episode. The Bob Newhart show, excuse me. Not to be me. confused with Newhart. Yes. His show uh, about being a innkeeper in a rural Vermont. Which turns out to just be a dream that Bob Newhart from the Bob Newhart show is having, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. The, one of the greatest finales of all time. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's like if that hadn't happened, would anyone remember Newhart? I don't know. I, I don't know. It is weird that he had, like, two very successful sitcoms that both ran a long time. And uh, have, have you ever seen an episode of either of them, Mike? I've seen, like, parts of an episode of Newhart. Um, I could not tell you anything about it, just that I've seen parts of it. I've listened to his, his comedy, right? I've listened to, like, the button-down mind of Bob Newhart. He's funny. You know what's interesting about the button-down mind of Bob Newhart? What? Is that Bob Newhart was not, uh, like, a practicing stand-up comedian. He, like, just walked into a booth and just, like, did that whole set without ever, like, testing it in front of an audience first. It's crazy. I had no idea. super successful. That's very impressive, actually. Fun fact, one of the only comedy records to win the Grammy for Album of the Year. Wow. Yeah. See, he's a genius, and he's still doing it. Yeah, he's still around. Still kicking. My parents saw him. Oh, I didn't realize he's still, like, touring. Yeah, that's what I meant by he's still doing it. (laughs) I just meant he was, like, still alive. He's, he's, like, 90, right? (laughs) 92 wow good for him yeah soon to be 93 yeah. um at the time of this recording but we're we're not releasing this until um he's actually turning 100 by coincidence yes <laughs> we're gonna wait eight years i i've seen a uh, an odd bob newhart show episode um i've not seen any newhart do you do you not even know about uh this is my brother daryl and this is my other brother daryl i th- i don't think so it's like a guy with two brothers named Daryl from Newhart, and uh, it was like it was like an Urkel phenomenon where like that those characters <laughs> became so popular that every week the audience was looking forward to them coming in and be like, "Hey, this is Daryl. <laughs> this is my other brother, Daryl." It's just so, like one of those like uh, I feel like it's one of those bits that like without the proper context just kind of uh, doesn't make sense. But that that's 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 funny. And you know what's funny is that he not only had a successful sitcom in the 70s and then another successful sitcom in the 80s, he tried to go again for a successful sitcom in the 90s, Mike. Do you, do you know about the show Bob? That it sounds familiar. And the premise of Bob is that Bob Newhart plays a comic book artist. Oh. Yeah. He was like a successful comic book artist during like the 60s during the silver age of comics and then he stepped back and then he comes back for the 90s you know the extreme age of comics (laughs) reviving his character for the for the extreme 90s that's funny is there any like is rob liefeld make a cameo appearance a lot of comic book creators actually show up like jack kirby is in an episode oh wow yeah it's uh it's crazy yeah and um i just think it's it's crazy how he went from the bob newhart show to newhart to Bob, and it's like where there's nowhere else left to go. Uh, either show or the or the show, I would think. The right? show, yeah, <laughs> with Bob Newhart. Yeah, that's what he should have called. I'm. He should like name one of his tours that. Anyways, I think this was a bad idea for us to do a Bob Newhart <laughs> podcast when neither of us had seen any episodes of the Bob Newhart show or Newhart or Bob. Um, and I guess you've listened to an album. I I have not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, I, I'm glad we're not doing a Bob Newhart <laughs> podcast. Yes. Because we, we like like you probably know by now, listeners, we have little to talk about in regards to Bob Newhart. Um, but we're doing For All Mankind, season one. We're in the home stretch, Mike. Um, I Would you agree with me if I said that these two episodes are sort of like the dark night of the soul for the season, leading into the, the drama bomb finale? Yes, I would definitely say so. This is like the uh, our heroes return their deepest depths 
and then we want to tune in for the next episode to see how they 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 pull themselves back up not not so much on the um spacefaring i would say in these episodes yeah more so in uh episode seven every every show needs to do um close quarters madness episode Mm -hmm. at some point a lot of sitcoms and stuff have been doing it recently with the uh advent of covid19 yes and whatnot um but even before then it's a staple to have all your characters trapped in one location and then one of them slowly goes mad because uh, for whatever reason they can't pull up netflix (laughs) um or properly rewind their vhs yeah that's a bummer remember vhs's mike did you ever have a, a, a favorite vhs that that would break i um our, our VHSs, when I was growing up, were, were in pretty good shape. I, I never really had an issue with them breaking. Last time I remember a VHS getting caught in the machine, this was, like, really late. This was probably, like, 2010-ish. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the uh, the Wacky Adventures of Ronald McDonald? <laughs> yes. The VHS tapes that were uh, mm-hmm. sold at McDonald's, produced by Klasky Chupo yeah. Animation, the we're, people that made Rugrats and Wild Thornberries. Were the VHSs yellow, or am I making that up? No, the, the VHSs, I, they were solid black. Okay. And then the labels were different colors. Uh, the one I, I remember was, um, the one this one in particular was the uh, adventure to like Grimace Island, mm-hmm. where it's like a pirate adventure. And um, so I remember it was like, that tape was like the last one stuck in our VHS player. And then it got stuck and, like, destroyed the VHS player, <laughs> which I was glad because I was about to pop in my um, my beloved, like, grandfather's copy of uh, his precious copy of Walt Disney's Fantasia. Oh. Which, you know, I, I was glad that I was about to, like, pop it in to watch it. So I was glad that it was the Adventures of Grim- <laughs> Grimace Island that got <laughs> right. stuck and destroyed instead of uh, my grandfather's precious copy of Fantasia. Um, the masterpiece. Um, Grimace Island, not so much. Yeah, bullet bullet dodged. It sounds like. Yeah, remember the glory days of VHS, Mike? Boy, do I having to rewind it every time you watched it. Uh, I I loved um, the smell of like the plastic VHS boxes because like the one the VHSs I had at home were either like the the cases were either cardboard, or they were like the fancy like I think it was just, like mostly a Disney thing where it was like almost like a clamshell opening. Yeah, clamshell. And it was like it was plastic, but it was like. Um, you know, it was the kind of plastic you find in, like, uh... It was pleasing to touch. Yeah, yeah. It was almost like the kind of... But it was, like, very malleable plastic. Um, very... It was kind of... I feel like it's the plastic that you kind of... That, I'm trying to think, like, what... It, like, you know, if you, like, buy something, and it was, like, a plastic back, you know, it was that kind of plastic. But at, um... We had a West Coast video in, in, in Chatham, New Jersey, and I would always rent the Godzilla movies, and they would come in these sort of, like like sturdier my guess is it probably is a plastic like lining the cardboard case and it, i i it, it had almost like a new car smell to it <laughs> i really enjoyed i was like ah yes this is the smell of cinema like this this plastic yeah there was just something about vhs that i remember that i can sort of relate to um their situation watching the bob newhart show over and over again where it's just like these are the tapes you have mm-hmm. and it's like you just watch these over and over and over again so it's yeah. like i remember we'd get from the library in south orange like we'd watch like the page master mm-hmm. over and over again there was like a tape of the old plastic man cartoon show yep i they had one of those near uh i think like the blockbuster near chatham yeah and it's like i'd watch those two episodes that were on that tape over and over again because mm-hmm. like when you're a kid man you just you got to fill up your time just watching television yeah yeah <laughs> you can't go outside and play and uh network with successful career people <laughs> um uh, maybe maybe we should have but you know plastic man's not gonna watch itself yeah that this is completely off topic man but the networking thing it's like i remember when i was like first starting to get into like music and my friend and I were learning a lot about, like, the music of, like, the 90s, like Nirvana and Soundgarden and all that. And he's like, man, isn't it kind of weird how we were alive during the 90s, but we never listened to this music? And I was like, Joe, we're like, we were, like, five when the 90s ended. Of course we didn't listen to this music. Yeah. Um, anyway. well, I'm ha- yeah, I'm having a similar thing. Where it's like I think about, like, we were there when things happened, like, when um, 
like you know, SpongeBob premiered. Yeah. And like Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon. Pokemon started mm-hmm. when we were kids, and now it's all like ancient history. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very strange to think about. Um, it's gonna be weird, like, cause someone on Twitter is always like, "Oh my God, I can't believe I never heard of this thing that happened like ten years before I was born." And it's gonna be like, it'll be stuff like, I don't know, there'll be some episode of Digimon that has something weird happen in it, that that someone will will, will, will dredge up and uh, they'll, yeah, uh, I don't know, man. It's just know. the the mores of getting older, I guess. I guess so. Um, in our in our increasingly for whatever reason we're just focused on like old tv shows from the 90s and it's important to us we have to (laughs) constantly revisit and be like does this hold up i don't know Mm -hmm. but um yeah so enough talk about this um i think it's time we can get into our first break and then mike and i'll be right back to discuss these two episodes of for all mankind so don't go anywhere listener stay right there and enjoy this break bracket season and to celebrate the post rider is a brand new podcast they'll do for political junkies what the ncaa tournament does for sports fans that's right everyone it's called floor fight and each season we'll be creating a bracket that pits political figures and topics against each other until we end up with an ultimate winner it's like a contested convention if a contested convention was held between two guys in a google hangout with too much time on their hands for our first season, we seeded 72 losing presidential candidates for a tournament of the also-ran, so we can finally answer the question, who was the greatest president we never had? It's the perfect show for anyone who ever wondered what would happen if Dewey really did defeat Truman, or if Palm Beach County didn't use a butterfly belt in 2000. And the best part is you can check out the seeds and prepare for the planes now at thepostwriter.com slash floorfight. See every candidate, who they'll match off against the play-in and first rounds, and let us know on Twitter, at the Post Rider, who you think should win. And if those references to Dewey and Truman and Palm Beach County meant anything to you, then subscribe to Floor Fight. It's available everywhere you can find podcasts and, of course, on thepostwriter.com. So, um, episode seven is called Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Um, which was the joke introduced last episode. Because um, our, our heroes, our, our stalwart heroes, are trapped on Jamestown base. Apollo 23 blew up. Yes. Yeah, so relief is not coming for Ed Baldwin, Danielle, and Gordo. They're stuck on the moon with um, a tape of six episodes of Bob Newhart to watch during their a few moments of break time on the moon. And um, this episode is basically um, kind of the flip side of episode six, where it's just following our characters on the moon as they're trying to just, you know, make the best of their situation. What did what did you think of this episode, Mike? Uh, it, it's, it's a very good Gordo episode, right? I feel like Michael Dornan does some really good work here. And it's, I think it's kind of, you know, this, this show, it's very sprawling, right? There's lots of characters... And I feel like it's a good episode where you get the trio of Ed, Danny, and Gordo kind of, you see them get to kind of bond and come together and sometimes fall apart as a unit. Um, and I really appreciate that that element of it. And there's also, you know, that's kind of paralleled a little bit, kind of, sort of, with what's going down on Earth um, with Karen and Tracy and their kids. Um, I definitely found that to be like the less compelling part of the episode, but I feel like the stuff on the moon is pretty good. Yeah. So take note, showrunners. We want more <laughs> stuff on the moon. Yes. It is like this weird contradiction of like, um, you know, it's trying to be, it's kind of like trying to be, you know, the Mad Men show about life in the U.S. or whatever during the 70s, like the Spirit Beast. But also it's like this trying to be this alternate history about the space program and going off to uncharted sci-fi directions. And from what I've heard, the little I've heard is that it goes off more in that direction in the next couple seasons i don't know maybe it sticks in like both it has its feet firmly planted in both camps but um yeah i i would definitely like to see more spacefaring 
uh, adventure. You know, I'd like to see Ed Baldwin having a sword fight with the Martian commander <laughs> as uh, the base is exploding and the black holes sucking in planet Earth. But, you know, I guess I'll just have to wait till, um, I guess the season three finale just came out, so I probably shouldn't spoil that for everybody. But, right. Um, yeah, wouldn't it be great if this all basically like a John Carter prequel? Um, and then Ed Baldwin yeah. just kind of becomes... That was the point of Divergence, is that the soldier, Confederate soldier, John Carter, <laughs> was brought up to Barsoom. Wait, I think Barsoom might be on Venus. I can't remember. I haven't read any Edgar Rice Burroughs, anyone. So um, please send in all your angry comments to contact <laughs> at thepostwriter.com. Anyways, let's get back on track. So this episode set mostly on the moon. What are some things I appreciate about this episode? Yes, I think the actor who does Gordo does a very good job playing Space Madness. Mm-hmm. I do think they adequately set up that Gordo has a drinking problem yes. over the first half of the season. So, And they do mention Tracy can't get any more alcohol into the resupply rocket mm-hmm. that they send up. So Gordo kind of goes through withdrawal, I guess. They could have had him exhibit more withdrawal symptoms if that's what's going on, but they kind of more or less just have it be like um, he goes stir-crazy. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I thought was good. Good acting. I mean, it's an understandable situation because I couldn't imagine being trapped on the moon. Although, like I was just saying, I think we've all more or less been through a similar situation over the past two years, certainly most of 2020, right? We can all relate. Yeah, I, I think I think we definitely can, um, to a certain extent. And even they're even they're even on like proto Zoom, right? There's like a video chat. They're able to video chat with their family with NASA officials as well. Um, and it's also part of what sends Gordo kind of spiraling is that he and Tracy are like buying renting an apartment. Um, that's basically we find out in the next episode. This is like a minor spoiler that it's like is. They just have it so that, like, whenever basically whenever Tracy is upset with Gordo, she tells him to go to his apartment. Um, and it's kind of like setting the stage for what we assume will be like a separation or a divorce or something like that. They do have contact with their families. Mm-hmm. They get free Bob Newhart whenever yeah. they want. <laughs> and, you know, they're pretty much busy the rest of the time. So I don't, I don't really understand what's the big deal, people. Yeah. You know, just don't go mad. Yeah. Just, just, just suck it up, man. Like, get over it. Who cares if it's been, like, you know, 100 days since you were actually supposed to leave? Um, I do appreciate, on rewatching this episode, how they all, they give the three of them, like, different things to go mad about. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, Ed and Danny don't go mad nearly to the extent that Gordo does. But Ed's very focused and fixated on, like, the Russians yes. on the moon, right? And that causes, like, a lot of um, uh, tension with Ed and with um the people down on earth at nasa yeah well i feel like a big part of this episode is is about it's about powerlessness in a way where you know these people there's all these kind of like minor or crises of varying um severity happening on earth to each of these people right there's um we talked about Cordo and tracy um danny like her husband clayton is kind of also cracking up he's kind of like looking for work and not he's not been able is implied he basically has like ptsd from vietnam he's not really able to find a job and then ed is you know shane and danny which is the stevens's son have been getting into trouble and there's that kind of causes tensions between karen and the son and whether or not, what what karen should tell it and stuff like that um but yeah ed becomes super fixated on the russians and yeah i thought that was interesting i think it's this episode right not the next one where it's like in order to get away from like what they think is like a bugged audio feed they like write stuff down on pieces of paper and hold it up to the camera to communicate. Like I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, they're employing Zoom shenanigans. Yes. Writing stuff down. It's too bad they couldn't send SMS text messages to each other <laughs> yes. from the moon. Yeah, and I think it was interesting how like the way that they realized that or they suspect Gordo might be off his rocker from like the beginning of the episode because they really like don't believe that he saw blinking lights on the moon mm-hmm. from like the end of the last episode and um it's definitely like a push and pull of like how like they don't realize how crazy Gordo is and to be fair he doesn't really like do anything all that crazy until like we're deep into the episode mm-hmm. and it's really just like tension and it's like the, he becomes like so fixated on like the Bob Newhart tape, right? That um, 
you kind of really like feel all of their motion, but especially Gordo when it's like they're trying to just like get the magnetic tape to hold back on to the reel mm-hmm. and they're trying to like fix it. Yeah, exactly. Like that that the the scene where like it initially shows them trying to fix the tape, like the tape is out of out of frame and it and it seems like they're working on some vital piece of technology for the base when actually it's just the tape. And he lose he, he doesn't lose his mind. Well he, he does eventually, but like at that scene, you know, he's very upset when when the tape kinda spins out. Both these episodes, there, I think there's this kind of, like, running line of, like, the limits of stoicism in a way. Whereas, like, Ed is just very convinced that, like, Gordo can, like, push through this this kind of, like, dark period and everything will be okay. But by the time the episode ends, he's, he's kind of convinced that that might no longer be the case and he has to take some action. There's this really exciting part when it's Ed and Gordo on the moon mm-hmm. walking around. Gordo is, like, convinced that he's, like, seeing ants... Mm-hmm. everywhere in the space station because there's an earlier scene where they have an ant farm i guess because obviously the episode of the simpsons deep space homer with the ants getting everywhere that hasn't mm-hmm. happened yet yes um that's like 20 years later after this episode <laughs> so obviously they're like what should we send up onto the moon what about an ant farm mm-hmm. an easily breakable ant farm <laughs> and um yeah danielle you know of course the woman accidentally has to knock it over whoops mm-hmm I like how there's like an insert shot of it like slowly, yeah, slowly falling because mm-hmm. it's like they're in zero g, mm-hmm. and it's like you think, oh, she can just you know grab it or something, or it'll yeah. just like bounce off the floor. But nope, it just smashes right on the floor because I guess it's made of um, breakable glass that you get from like a Hollywood prop company. <laughs> yeah. So Gordo is convinced that he like sees ants when mm-hmm. obviously like they kind of show that Danielle like finds all the ants. So Gordo like sees ants throughout the episode or he thinks he does. And then when he and Ed are out walking, there's a really tense moment when Gordo's convinced that ants are crawling all over him mm-hmm. when he's in the spacesuit. And then he and Ed actually have like a fight scene. I thought it was pretty tense because it's like, you know, you when you're watching it the first time, it's like you really don't know what could happen. And it's like the show, it's obviously like not real. It's a drama show. So you think... Obviously, if this were a schlockier show, you could have had Ed accidentally kill Gordo on the moon, mm-hmm. and then he tries to cover up the body, and then he has <laughs> to get rid of Danielle because he can't leave any witnesses and stuff, but obviously that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But um, I thought it was a pretty tense scene, you know, characters fighting on the moon. That's not something you'd find in your average drama. That didn't happen on Mad Men, I don't believe, Mike. I I, I don't believe so either, no. And, like, yeah, it's like... Because you think about it, because they talk so much, you know, in the in the prior episodes about, like, the limitations of what you can physically do on the moon. So it's like, you can't really, like, tie his hands behind his back because, like, the, the suit doesn't work that way. Like, you want to stop him from puncturing his own suit, but you also want to make sure you don't puncture his suit while you're doing that as well. There's, like, a lot of, uh... And it seems like they're, like, it's implied they're, like, kind of far away from the base, or at least somewhat far away. So, yeah, a lot of tension, lots of excitement. Yeah, you don't really know what's gonna end up happening in that scene obviously that's like the breaking point it's like when they have a fight mm-hmm. and then there's also scenes of like gordo's waking them up in the middle of the night to reenact scenes from the bob newhart show which yes is terrifying yeah oh I mean, yeah he, he's it's almost like he's he almost like literally starts speaking in tongues because it's like when they're like because it's like yeah, they're doing because they they after the tape breaks they decide to just reenact the episode and like i think ed plays bob and well, Ed recognizes that he's the main character, so you should probably also play the main character. Ah, good point. And then they, they, they allocate all the roles, but then Gordo's just, like, playing the roles himself. It's almost like he's, like, almost, like, you know, becoming kind of, like, schizophrenic or something. And that's when... Well, that, that that's before they go out uh, for the walk, and then he um, thinks he sees ants. And that's, that's what convinces Ed that they have to send him down to Earth, but that's a problem because... It means that, you know, at that time, I don't really know what the rules are currently about flying and sort of mental illness and things like that. But certainly at that time, if you were a pilot, you, you couldn't fly if you had some kind of, you know, um, it, whether it was post-traumatic stress or, or whatever he was going through. And like, you know, psychiatry and, and seeing a therapist was like much more stigmatized than, than it is now. And so he kind of wants, wants to keep it under wraps and and it basically means the end of gordo's career if if he does this until danny decides to bail him out it's like if you have a pilot and it's like well i don't know after 140 days of near isolation he did crack so obviously he's not fit to fly ever again yeah he's put under these extreme situations i don't know 
air air safety board you might be a little too stringent right yeah maybe just like give him a couple days to like reacclimate to life on earth Um, give him one new episode of the bob newhart show to watch (laughs) exactly right let him watch the rest of the season i'm sure she'll sure it'll be all right he'll bounce back yeah and then danny danny's really the one who has a big problem with this ed really like he's like this is just what has to happen and you know it's unfortunate and gordo and him are obviously like best friends in Mm -hmm. like uh, tv show terms but he's just like you know gordo's cracked and we need to send him home but danny's like you know we can't i can't lose him because like as you were saying she's obviously going through sort of a tough breakdown with clayton having ptsd back on earth and she feels like she's lost him because he just like up and leaves during one of their zoom calls and so danny's like i don't know i can't lose gordo too in the middle of the night she um quote unquote drops a very heavy battery that is used to power the base and breaks her arm of course she does this intentionally and the reason she does this is so that instead of the medical emergency being gordo's mental state the medical emergency can be her breaking her own arm and gordo will be free from any suspicion about his mental state and they'll just go back to earth and leave it there to to maintain the base to protect it from the russians it definitely looked really painful to see danny's broken arm yes yeah it's uh as someone who doesn't like uh doesn't like looking at mangled limbs and even though it's not like gory but it's like you know there's clearly a bone in a place where it shouldn't be yeah if they had darren lynn bousman uh, the director of Saws 2, 3, and 4, <laughs> direct this. You would have definitely seen the bone Yes. pierce the skin. Mm-hmm. Mike, have you ever broken a bone? I actually, I don't think so. I may have. I suspect that I have broken a toe once, but I never actually went to a doctor to get it checked out. And apparently with broken toes, they really can't do anything, so you just kind of like deal with it. Um, so I think I may have broken a toe once, but, but no, nothing more than that. Well, I have never broken a bone before, so um, that means I'm overdue, I believe. Yeah, it's it's uh, your your days. Is is like you think it's like chickenpox, where it's like if you don't get chickenpox as a kid, they say it's like really bad as an adult. Like, are you gonna break like both your legs now or something? Well, I have to assume it's better when you're younger, right? Because your bones are more malleable when you're younger, right? They're more like soft. I guess, but I would also think that like. That would also, yeah, maybe like healing's faster, but I would also assume that since you're still growing, like maybe it stunts the growth if you break it too badly. I don't know. I, I don't know, really know much about bones. If anyone knows more about bones or if Emily Deschanel <laughs> is listening, please write in Yes. and let us know. But yeah, I, I'm worried that I might just be one, one fall off mm. a staircase away from total annihilation. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm envisioning the... Uh, the guy from the, even though he didn't actually have broken bones, the guy from the chocolate-selling episode of SpongeBob, his glass bones and paper skin. Yeah. Every day, every morning he breaks his arms, and every night he breaks his legs. Couple of all-day suckers. <laughs> yeah, so Danny, Danny breaks a bone. She takes one for Gordo so they can both leave and head back to Earth, leaving Ed as the sole American on the moon. Yeah, so that covers that, and uh, we... Also follow Karen and Shane in this episode. Mm-hmm. And obviously Shane's been kind of a troubled kid for these past few episodes. What do you what do you think about this, Mike? Because uh, I guess the show implies that it's like he's troubled because Ed's not around. But the show did a lot of like time skipping to just the times where he wasn't around. So I guess like we're supposed to be implied that Ed was distant even when he was around on Earth. Which I guess makes sense because we have that one scene where ed tries to teach shane to ride a bike and it doesn't go great what do you think yeah it's just too narratively convenient and then in like a later episode ed also is like i felt bad because i couldn't teach him how to ride a bike it is a little narratively convenient i they don't really give shane a lot of like characterization like i never feel like we know shane you know what i mean he feels more like a plot device than like an actual fully fleshed character yeah and i like the the principal or whoever says that shane's like the leader yes and i just don't buy him as like the leader no (laughs) me neither and it's like you also never really i mean like there are scenes with him and danny in it but like they're not really they're not like rich scenes right there's not a lot of detail in their relationship and a lot of this stuff 
will come back around a little bit in like the next two seasons. But yeah, it's, I, when I was first watching these two episodes, I was very much like, okay, like we, we, we get it. Like, let's just get back to the moon, kind of. Um, I did not love this subplot when I was seeing it the first time. And I liked it a little bit better this time because I feel like um, I was able to see kind of what they were trying to do. It's yeah, just not, not a success, successful it's, subplot. It's, a, it's, you know, something we can see on any drama. Like, yeah. this could be on This Is Us. It doesn't necessarily ha- have to involve the moon at all. Yeah. It just kind of felt like baseline melodrama, basically. Yeah, there, there, there was no, no space-age flavor to it. Shane is caught committing the ultimate sin of stealing baseball cards. Mm-hmm. Um, Karen, his mom's called in, and she manages to get Shane off the hook, more or less. But obviously she's apoplectic with anger and rage at her son. And she decides that there's only one course, one option left to a, a parent, and that's to ground ground your child till and, after Christmas. Yes, and which I didn't realize until watching this episode a second time. I was like, oh, grounding. Like, the way they ground pilots, her son has now been grounded. I guess I didn't re- put two together that, like, the phrase grounding is probably derived from that. Mm-hmm. Obviously intentional. Yes. Bravo, Ronald. <laughs> You genius. This is why he makes the big bucks. Indeed. This is why you and I are stuck doing a podcast in our basement. Exactly. <laughs> we are undergrounded. We, yes, we have been. We've been that bad. I just think it's weird that like grounding includes extracurricular activities like sports. Right, yeah. Do they normally play basketball right before Christmas? Uh, it's a winter sport. I guess. I guess you can play it inside. I mean, well, I mean, like, the professional basketball season lasts from October until, like, June. So, I would assume high school, it's probably, I would imagine high school is, yeah, it's probably classified as a winter sport, I would assume. And I guess they do live in Texas. Right, yeah. (laughs) Where snow's not as big of a deal. Yeah. More likely to be canceled due to a tumbleweed infestation. (laughs) Right. Or uh, a a cactus falling on the the stadium. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like like a giant tree-sized cactus falling they on should it. make a kaiju movie set in texas about a giant cactus there oh, was no a cactus is attacking uh in digimon there was a character that was it was like a cactus with boxing gloves yeah yeah mike mike secretly wants to do a digimon podcast honestly i i did i don't know if it still is but digimon was on amazon prime for a little bit and i was very tempted to start watching it again I was always more of a Digimon person than a Pokemon person, but uh, I honestly I could like I I remember Agumon, mm-hmm. like I remember I mean I remember like the way a couple characters look, yeah. But like I only remember the name Agumon. I could literally tell you nothing else about it. Well, I can't remember. I watched it so little compared to Pokemon. Well, and uh, do you know what a Digimon actually is? A digital monster. Well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. Let's see if you come back next season to go host this podcast. Um, no, it's like it was like a Tamagotchi. Yes. Yeah, I had one of them. Yeah, I like did not know that. Mm-hmm. It's crazy because like a Pokemon was like a whole video game, and like Digimon, it's just like here's this thing, and you can like I don't know what you would do. You would feed it. Yeah, you would feed it, and you would, if I remember correctly, you had to like basically keep shaking it, and eventually you would encounter other digimon and you would fight um and then eventually it would evolve into you know other... could you like fight with do you could you play with other people's digimon i i yeah i think you could connect it like you and you might have had to buy like a second like a second thing like a rig to connect the two but yeah i think that was part of it as well a rig jesus <laughs> rig you know what i mean a dongle all these a dongle the, these pre wi-fi bluetooth era yeah we were we were barbarian we were like truly in plato's cave yeah i yeah i remember having a connecting like just like two wires one game boy to another so we could trade pokemon because back then there were some pokemon you could only they would only evolve if you traded them Mm -hmm. yeah you were supposed to engage with other people socially on the playground i know which uh entire generation said nah yeah (laughs) exactly i don't think it worked (laughs) No. no but there's probably an alternate universe somewhere where we did and we're all in a more peaceful loving world 
Yeah. Um, instead of the the mirror universe world we live in, where everyone has a goatee and is evil. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. But anyways, Shane's grounded. Shane decides, you know what? I'm gonna go play basketball anyway. Mm-hmm. And then he's he goes out on his bike, and we find out at the end of this episode that Shane got in trouble, but not the kind of trouble like stealing or putting cherry bombs into a toilet or graffiti or you know selling lsd to the contras to (laughs) fund your war whatever it's uh car trouble shane gets hit by a car he's in an accident and karen karen's devastated because she shane's her little boy and that brings us into episode eight again another sort of dark night of the soul episode where Ed, ed is really put through some paces the baldwin family Yes. Is really put through its paces. So, um, Mike, what, what are your thoughts on episode eight, Rupture? Well, before we jump to that, we should also point out that like the investigation into Larry and Ellen continues in episode seven, yes. and it it basically ends with them getting married to uh, erase all suspicion that either of them are gay, and that alienates Pam from Ellen, and they basically break up. Yeah, I, I didn't really have a lot to say about it, so no, they just I thought kinda, we could just move on. Yeah, uh, but it's like an important plot point. But it's, it's again, it is they just do just kind of go through the motions when portraying it. I feel like anyway. So Ed is still on the prowl for Russians, um, but he's all by himself, and he is taking lots of pictures of their base. Um, he does eventually discover surveillance cameras in the crater, Shackleton Crater. Um, sort of like checking out the astronauts mining and exploration operations yeah did you dig the uh the giant simple machine that they have to like go down into shackleton crater because i was like wow who built this yeah that was pretty cool so neat um yeah and he finds like i guess it's a big camera under some rocks Mm -hmm. watching him and then they do the ultimate spy craft thing of like oh, I see this camera. What should I do with it? It's like, <laughs> leave it. Yes. Yeah. So he just has to leave it. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that's what Ed's doing. He's just focusing on dealing with the Soviets on the moon. Mm-hmm. He's all alone. He has to be vigilant. And uh, Karen's at the hospital, and she has to figure out what to do about Shane. Yes, he is uh, brain dead, it turns out, which I guess was not a term that was widely known in 1974. Um, so, you know, his you know, his, his heart's beating, but there's no brain activity. And she's sort of, in, she enters this kind of state of like, uh, like fugue-like optimism almost, where she's like, oh, my boy can pull through this. We'll talk, we'll get a second opinion from NASA's neurologist. He's the best neurologist in the country. He'll be fine. The doctors know what they're doing. And um, the doctors know what they're doing, but that's not necessarily good news for Shane, unfortunately. Yeah, well, she's in denial. Yeah, yeah. The first first stage of grief is denial. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so sh- she, she calls in uh, Tracy to help out. Everyone at NASA chips in, and they're like, help out Karen. Mm-hmm. And then they are like, what should we do about Ed? Yes. Yeah, the big, I feel part of the big tension in this episode is like, do we tell Ed or not that his father, that not his father, that his son is uh, currently brain dead and, and likely to die soon? That is like the big sort of like ethical thing. There's sort of NASA and the uh, like the government and Margot are kind of like, well, no, he's in a stressful situation already. We don't know how he's going to react. This might not be smart. Whereas Deke is like, no, we should definitely, we should definitely tell him. Like we definitely, definitely need to let them know and there's this kind of this leads to this um like moment where it seems like they're gonna because danny and uh gordo are still communicating with uh ed from mission control um and they have to kind they have to lie about it and they feel very conflicted about it then all of a sudden it, it becomes nationally news shane's situation ed gets like a like a teletype i think is what it's called from the russian base that says like condolences about your son and he's like is this like this is like an op like are they trying to like psych me out is this what what's going on here and it uh it uh complicates the situation so i guess it's like like you're saying it's supposed to be like the big ethical question of the episode Mm -hmm. 
like should we tell Ed or not? And obviously that's sort of like a very basic like sort of Star Trek template for an mm-hmm. episode is like they bring up an ethical dilemma and it's like should we do this or should we do that? And it's a lot of back and forth and then sometimes they come up with a third answer to respond. But yeah, I so it is on the paper, it's like a very, you know, big ethical question that I feel like, you know, oh, this will provoke a lot of discussion amongst our audiences and whatnot. But I felt like I felt like it was relatively unengaging. What did what did you think, Mike? Was there a lot of thinking going on about like, you know, I don't know, which what to do? Um, I mean, I kind of, like, I almost kind of like yes and no, like, because it is kind of like a, there's like a simplicity to it in a way. Um, and it's like, he's going to find out eventually, right? So this isn't like a question of like, you know, it, it's not like a trolley problem situation, right? It's not like, do we kill one person to save like a million or something like that? Um, so it's not, it's not low stakes, but it's also not like the highest stakes, so I feel like that kind of blunts its impact a little bit. Um, yeah, and it's like, are they bad people right. for not telling him? Well, I feel like I that's, guess... that, that's kind of the... Um, there is this, again, in these two episodes, there is kind of this tension between like the personal and the professional, right? Um, there's also the Alita subplot, where it turns out she started dating a boy at school... But she's now gone into this, like, advanced private school across town. And it's sort of distracted from her lessons with Margot. And she doesn't know if she wants to go to the advanced school. And then there's this kind of rift between her and Margot. And Margot is obviously this, like, single-minded career person um, who really doesn't have time for, like, uh, personal relations, basically. Um, And you also have Gordo now seeing a shrink and trying to keep this secret from everybody. Um... So yeah, it. Uh, but yeah, the question of like, are they bad? You know, it, there's a question of like, what, what are we willing to do to? And like, basically, is the mission more important than Ed himself? I feel like is kind of the question they try to answer, and I don't know that they ever really do it. They don't. I don't know how effective they do it, but that's what they're trying to do. I don't know. I felt like this episode, a lot of it was just sort of marking time, just sort of establishing a lot of things, like you said, like introducing, you know, Alita's story again, Gordo with the therapist all this stuff in the hospital. I felt like it was very, um, you know, it's like we have to have these scenes there because it's like what's happening. But there wasn't really a lot of excitement mm-hmm. or energy to it, yeah. in my opinion. Um, and, you know, I'm... Deep, Mike, you know me. I'm a sucker for my kid's been hit by a car <laughs> and he's brain dead now. I love those scenes. Right, yeah. I love, you know, when doctors come out and, you know, they're in their scrubs. It's like, can I speak to mr baldwin mm-hmm. and it's like he's on the moon yeah <laughs> and i love scenes where you know concerned parent concerned about you know the future of life with um the death of a child and then a journalist comes in it's like hey can i talk to you yeah right. <laughs> i love those scenes mm-hmm. they're great yeah because um i like being shown the uh, the absolute worst parts of humanity because it <laughs> makes me feel better about how good my life is right about how i don't have to go through that Yes. But, um, yeah, a lot of it is very, uh, they're there. You know, everyone at NASA is on Team Baldwin. We support you. Mm-hmm. And um, there's not really a lot of conflict. Like, Deke, Deke's really the only one, right? Well, I mean, I guess, like, Gordo and Danielle have a, a token scene where they're like, oh, gosh, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, Karen's on board with this? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to say, the thing with this show is that, like, it moves very quickly, right? Um, so I feel like there, there, and I, I feel like that's to its, 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 uh, benefit and to its detriment where it's like, there are things and like issues and ideas that would maybe be explored like in more depth and at more length than other shows. It's like maybe something like this, which, which can take away from the storytelling a little bit, but it also means that we don't linger on this very depressing subplot that this sounds like you and I both don't find particularly interesting for very long. So yeah, it, it is just this kind of, it, like kind of this thing this show does because i feel like we're in an era much as how there was decompression in comics i feel like there's been decompression in tv for a little bit um and i feel like that's uh it's kind of for all my kind of actually kind of fights back against that a little bit um but yeah it it, it def- definitely some some mixed results 
did this plot need to be here? Did we really need to kill off Shane? Mm-hmm. What does it really add? I'm not sure if it adds all that much to the show. Um, uh, bearing in mind, I've only seen the first season, so I don't know yeah. how to play into the future. But you know, you can't really do much with a dead character, you know, it, going forward. But um, yeah, it definitely does set up a lot of stuff in the next couple seasons. But in a vacuum, and in the first season, yeah, it's not. It's only so compelling. Yeah, and just reiterating, it's like this is something I could imagine on any any other show. Right. This is us. Mm-hmm. Grey's Anatomy, yeah. Private Practice, mm-hmm. ER, Chicago Hope, Scrubs, New Amsterdam, The Good Doctor, House MD, Animal Hospital. Um, there, there, I do think it does lead to like one pretty great scene, which is the one where like, because when Ed first discovers the cameras in the crater, like they'll just like leave him there. But then when he kind of gets more and more frustrated about, well, when he thinks like, when, when the Russians are trying to play a trick on him, he descends into the crater and takes the camera and just like smashes them in a rage and that's kind of cross cut with what's going on in the hospital i thought that would, that that was a pretty good scene yeah for whatever reason and i guess there were scenes of ed's like losing control before but i felt like it was like the bubble bursting that's been sort of simmering all season because mm-hmm. like you don't cast joel kinnaman really if you want to play like him to play like reserved you know pilot man the whole right. season without like breaking like you would cast jason bateman yeah if you wanted to. Uh, another man with ec- excellent comedic skills, right? Joel Kinnaman's <laughs> not the only one, Mike. Uh, I'm, I'm not the world's biggest Jason Bateman fan. Um, <laughs> his shtick is... Ca- We've talked about this. I don't think on the podcast, but definitely in person. It, it's, it's, his shtick gets a little tired when it's not in Rest of Development, but, you know. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, but, yeah, I feel like Joel Kinnaman, it's like we, we've sort of been building up to... This is a man who can, like, lose control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, he definitely does in this episode. He he kind of puts the pieces together in his head without ever re- being directly told. Like, there's the there's a really good scene where it's, like, Karen... When Karen shows up at the end on the video call, mm-hmm. and Aaron is, like... And he's, like, crying. Yeah. And uh, it's really emotional. Mm-hmm. Joel, Joel Kinnaman's good at acting. Like, I could imagine, uh, like, to the show's credit... I wouldn't really like it so much if Ed just, like, lost control and basically, like, became a, a rage monster. Right, yeah. Like a Hulk, if you will. Yes. Um, it would just be kind of like, uh-oh. Because uh, then it's like, I don't want to really see this character mm-hmm. all that much anymore, like, in future seasons, if he's just going to rage out, you know, go over to the Russian base with a machine gun and kill all of them. <laughs> right. It's like, dos vidanya, Svezda. And then he just <laughs> mows them all down. <laughs> And, and, like, the end shot, too, is pretty great, where he's he's drinking the gin that they imply uh, has been, like, stowed away somewhere on the base in the previous episode, and he starts, he's just, like, slumped down in the corner, and he starts banging his head against the wall. Um, really good moment to end on. I wanted to ask about this, because, like, did they imply there was gin in the last episode? Yeah, they say something, they say something to the effect of, like, because... Tracy, like you said, Tracy is no longer able to sneak alcohol up to Gordo. And he makes some comment about a drink and and Ed's like, nope, like I, that, that bottle of Shavas is like safe and sound. Like only I know where it is or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't remember that. Because I was, I was watching this and I was like, is this a continuity error? <laughs> where Ed just like reaches and like grabs a bottle of booze. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, why didn't they just give some to Gordo? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Just little things like that. And also, did you... Was the, like, zero-G in the last episode bothering you? It wasn't... I mean, you mentioned the ant farm scene. Um, by the way, Shavas is Scotch. I don't know why I thought that was Jim. Doers, I think. Wasn't it, like, Doers, Black Label? It had, like, that shape of the bottle. The, the For All Mankind Wookie says it's Shavas. Um, but I think somebody drinks Doers in another scene. I don't know. Anyway. Um, zero-G. Zero-G. I... You know, there's the one scene where it's, like, I think Danny, like, hands something to Ed. And, like, you know, they show it, like, them just kind of, like, floating it. It's, like, a suitcase full of something. They show it, like, floating across the thing. It's, like, oh, you're clearly just shooting this scene to, like, show that you can do this. I didn't think... I don't know. I didn't think too much. I guess it it, it seems a little inconsistent, I guess. Um, Yeah, I was just confused about, like, so why why aren't they floating? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. They, 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 yeah, they kind of yada yada that, don't they? Well, I mean, but they're not floating when they're, like, walking on the moon. But they are, like, walking normally in the base, right? They're not doing, like, the little skip they do in the, the suits. So I don't know. You were right. I think they yada yada it. Yeah. Is kind of the thing. And there was also, um, yeah, well, there's a really subtle thing that I wanted to bring up. But mm -hmm. I don't know if it really worked on the podcast. But, like, when Karen grounds Shane and is walking back to her car on the driveway, you can hear really, like, the ADR of this, her feet clamping down on the driveway like tick 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 tick, tick. <laughs> it's like because i guess it's like they shot it and it's like obviously it's there's not really much sound there's much more sound in like tv shows and movies than there are in real life of like yeah. someone's feet like um uh you know feet making noise on the gravel mm -hmm. so i guess they're watching and it's like we really need to emphasize that she's like walking right <laughs> on the driveway so they adr in scenes of like tap 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 <laughs> It was really distracting to me for whatever reason. Let's find that clip and post it on Twitter. Right, yeah. See what people think. Yeah, but yeah, the show like yada yada some stuff, um, and it's fine, I guess. Not everyone is paying as close attention to it as you or I, which is fine, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, there is. I won't spoil it, but there is one thing, one episode, of season three, where there was like a very big thing. The yada yada, and like it's clear. It's a thing they don't show, but it seems like just based on the precedent set by other episodes, they probably should have shown it. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll talk about it when, when we get to that. Yeah, so it basically ends with Ed. Ed has lost some measure of control, and he's all alone on the moon. And next week, we'll deal with the uh, the big rescue attempt, I guess, of like um, trying to rescue Ed from the moon. To and hope maybe will he regain some measure of control, some semblance of his life? I don't know. Let's let's find out in next week's episode. Anyway, we addressed some of the subplots in this episode. Is there anything you wanted to talk about at length more, Mike? Not nothing. I'll let, let me flick through my notes here. Not not really. The only thing is like we're touching on like differences in and like history and stuff. It's like yeah, obviously like there's not there was never a base on the moon, so like it, it doesn't do us a lot of good to point out that that never happened. Um, I think the big thing to point out is that the whole Mary Jo Kopechny thing, so like the, the Kennedy administration, the Ted Kennedy administration is now very sensitive about scandal because President Kennedy has been seen um, in the arms of Mary Jo Kopechny, one of his secretaries in Palm Beach. And of course, um, if you know your history, Mary Jo, Co Jer jo Kopechny is the woman who died in the Chappaquiddick accident um, where Ted Kennedy was driving and they went off a bridge and she drowned and it basically destroyed uh well not not that well certainly in that year for 1972 it uh basically killed any hopes to kenny have running for president the other thing i want to bring up because we talked about at the end of last episode but bill strausser's becoming a bigger and bigger character and two episodes ago i believe you had mentioned how you had thought that the woman who's playing molly is more, more tyranny and when I was first watching these episodes and I saw Bill Strausser, I was like, oh, I love Paul Walter Hauser. I didn't know he was in this. And uh, it's, it's not Paul Walter Hauser. It's a guy named Noah Harpster. They just both happen to be heavyset guys with facial hair. So apologies to both those men, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think there are worse comparisons to make. Like some people think that um, Joel Kinnaman, like they think Ed Baldwin was actually played by uh, Anthony Mackie. <laughs> that, that would be pretty bad. That is an Altered Carbon reference. Mm, I see. I, I, have you watched Altered Carbon? I watched a couple episodes, yeah. I should go back and watch it. Um, but uh, the thing is that, I don't know if you know the premise, but um, Joel Kinnaman is basically like a host body for like an uh, a Asian like mobster hitman type. So like he has the brain of that Asian mobster, but it's like in Joel Kinnaman's body. Right. And season two, it's like he switches bodies, so it's like Anthony Mackie's the body interesting so that's why i made that joke ah now now it all makes sense now it is all coming together yes how did you feel about the mary joe quebecney thing because like to me i guess someone who knows about it mm -hmm. um it just it seems like kind of like too obvious like too much of a wink but i don't know how you feel about it mike um i i think it makes sense like i i feel like it'd be worse if it was like ted kennedy was president everything was great after that right and it adds it adds some uh, like motivation to the actions of like the Kennedy administration characters, 
Um, and, you know, it's a smart little thing. It's Part of the show is just kind of the writers being like, ooh, let's be really clever about the historical stuff. And I, I thought it was a pretty good... Uh, just, just knowing the reputation of Ted Kennedy and, and his family, like see, it seems like this is, would be a plausible thing that would happen. So, but would Mary Jo Kopechny really still be in Ted Kennedy's circle in 1974? She, she worked on the Robert on Bobby Kennedy's presidential campaign, so uh, I don't see why not. I just feel like it's one of those things where someone, namely <coughs> Lars, would uh, point out and be like, I know what that is. <laughs> it's like fan service for like yeah. American political history. It, it's, 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 the, it's the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing to the TV meme. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen the, did you see the movie Chappaquiddick? I have not, but I know With, you uh, have. Jason Clark. Yeah. It's really good. Is it? Yeah, I really liked it. So when it was one of those movies that came out, and it was very, like, under the radar. Yeah. And, um, you know, to someone who... I knew, like, you know, the term, like, Chappaquiddick incident, but not mm-hmm. really that much about it. I thought it was a really fascinating movie. Jason Clark's really good in it, really captivating as Ted Kennedy mm-hmm. in this um, serious, sometimes darkly funny recounting of the, uh, the incident. I will have to check it out. It's one of those things where you think, like, what could have been, and now... They have this whole show that's basically like, here's what it could have been. Not really that much to say about Aleda. No. Also going on a similarly melodramatic storyline that could mm-hmm. have been on This Is Us. Right. Parenthood, Family Ties, Full House, Growing Pains. Yeah. And it's also just... Keenan and Kel. <laughs> sure, yeah. It's also just like frustrating too because it's just like... Just go to the school. Like you get, you have phones. You know what I mean. You have a bike. You you can you can stay in contact with this kid. He's not that great. I don't. But know, she's in love. Yeah, I guess. Hormones. Hmm. This is why writers like putting teenage characters into every single show. <laughs> they can they do can it. do wildly implausible things. I guess they can get correct. involved with hit and runs. Yes. And accidental murders. And it's like, yeah. we have to cover up the body. Otherwise, I'm not going to get into college. I'm trying to think of who, like, the worst, like, teenage character in a show that doesn't focus on... Uh, Homeland, season two. I, I've, I've heard... I have not watched Homeland, but yes, I have heard that. It. What did it start from? I, I want to say the trend started with The Sopranos, with uh, AJ and Meadow. Hmm. But I think those work because it's like they're there to literally just be the kids of tony soprano and they really don't have too much going on in terms of the plot like they yeah. pretty much just stay kids like people sort of isolated from you know goings on of the mob and then every other show is like hey let's have these younger actors and then it's like hey we can give them stuff to do in this next season so mm-hmm. that's what i was worried about when i i watched breaking bad for the first time Mm-hmm. it's like walter jr it's like oh no what kind of <laughs> kind of plot are they gonna give walt jr yeah um but no that thankfully doesn't happen mm-hmm. but homeland season two yeah brody's daughter in the second season gets involved with um timothy chalamet who plays oh. the vice president's son and they accidentally hit and run somebody and it's like you you can't tell anybody this because my dad's the vice president and it caused like a huge thing and it's just like why am i watching this all right i want to see claire danes get damian lewis to admit that he's a terrorist none of this has anything to do with that but yeah so uh, thankfully they're keeping Aleda in somewhat more realistic less annoying territory but it is just like yeah go to the school yeah yeah um and yeah it's a thing too where it's like you, you mentioned the sopranos and it's like I, I feel like the stuff that like they had in meadow and ad do kind of like played into the larger themes of the show um whereas the later thing has always felt to me a little again we, we talked about how it kind of connects between like the relationship between mario and Werner von braun and all of that but i feel like it's always felt a little um out of place on the show yeah. yeah, they're like AJ and Meadow, like everything involved with them is sort of a reflection on Tony Soprano as a father, mm-hmm. Carmela as a mother, and sort of like the family world they inhabit. Whereas with Aleda, it's like literally all this stuff happens in a vacuum. Nothing from her like life or like teachings with Margot seem to be like affecting her decision to like, I want to be with this boy, other than I guess you could read in on a very superficial level that's like the death of her mother, you know, something wanting to be part of a family or whatever but you know it's very you're basically like reaching at that point nothing is really like impacting this plot line 
yeah at all and it just continues the trend of like why is why is Aleda here other than this will pay off later it, it does pay off all right yeah. i mean i would why not just have more scenes with margo and Aleda? i would have liked watching that more yeah yeah that's a good point yeah it'd be better than the shane shane plot line for sure and then what else is there to talk about pam yeah again that's like another subplot that i feel like we just kind of walked through we find well, we already knew this but ellen is going to be the uh the 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 commander of the next mission which includes her deke and a new character named harry lou and there's there's now questions like they're on a talk show and there's now questions given danny's accident it's like accident quote unquote like are should should women be on the moon Can, are they up to it yeah so i think we pretty much covered it um in my opinion i'd give these episodes like a b yeah i feel like we were really harsh on it but it's like it's mostly just fine and um it's a shame that it doesn't the um the excellence of like the three-parter with like molly cobb is sort of cast a, a large shadow or set the bar really high that the show like needs to like that the show you know has has not cleared in these two episodes but i i felt like they were very good you know space madness can't really go wrong like i said it's been done um shooting fish in a barrel <laughs> dealing with brain dead son in the hospital it's also been done before but you know the show thought this was the best direction to go in so it's fine it's effective but i i felt like i had seen it before so kind of had a generic feel so that's how i felt about it i would agree i, I would say honestly probably the weakest part of the season yeah not not too much of like historical you know in jokes and stuff like the first two episodes not mm -hmm. too much strong character stuff like the next episodes after that if uh, if people disagree with us and they think these two episodes are like the pinnacle of the show the show never got better after these two episodes you know why didn't we have a whole season of uh karen in the hospital <laughs> gordo going crazy on the moon how can people get in touch with us well you can email your grievances to contact at the com, and you can find this podcast anywhere podcasts are found please like rate and subscribe it when you do listen to it, tell us how great we are on it. And you can find me on Twitter at Amerim, excuse me, Twitter at Mlevito and Letterboxd at Ameramike. Yeah, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at the Lewis Ryan. I'm also on Letterboxd as well. Please email us. We'd like to hear from you. We'd like to hear from anybody. Please, Mike and I are all alone up here. <laughs> and I I don't like the way Mike's starting to look at me. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God I'm seeing ants all over my basement. Would it have been great or terrible if there was a scene of, like, Gordo, and it's, like, his POV, of, like, he's looking at Ed, and then, like, Ed turns into, like, a, a giant <laughs> piece of chicken? <laughs> I think that'd probably be a, be a step too far. <laughs> Gordo, what's wrong? <laughs> it's like, Ed, you look delicious. <laughs> it's the, uh, the, um, the Seinfeld where, I think it's jerry or george sees kramer as a turkey it's newman newman sees, newman sees kramer as excuse a turkey. me yeah george, george has his own plot jerry and george have their own plots that's right yeah that's because that's the one where kramer's using butter as like tanning oil right yeah yeah um i love how they talk about in that episode that it's like one of the most expensive shots of the show <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well it's like they could do it because like seinfeld season nine they were yeah. number one Rolling, it's like they right? could do whatever so it's like they had to rig up a whole puppet chicken and then they had michael <laughs> richards like lie down in front of your green screen all right so now mike and i are going to do a deep dive on season yeah. nine, episode one the butter shave right now <laughs> it was the 90s answer to the, to the eraser head baby when you think about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh let's let's build up to uh, uh our next episode because that's exciting it's our our season one finale coverage um which should be good right mike yeah i think so i hope so why yeah, not? we've got a special good. special guests lined up. We sure do. Should we should we tell the audience who it is? Yeah, um, Joel Kinnaman gonna be on the podcast. Yeah, no, he's you know we thought we'd have him on barrel of laughs, really yes. gregarious guy. <laughs> um, always good for a chuckle. My Mike can't get enough of him on his, honestly. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, it's our glorious leader. Our glorious leader is joining us. Mr. Lars Emerson will be here to help discuss For All Mankind Season 1 with us. So I, I hope you'll tune in. It'll be great. 
It'll be a lot of fun. Dare I say, it'll be out of this world. Oh. All right, and now let's drop Intergalactic by the Beastie Boys, <laughs> and we're out. Bye. If you're a fan of the Postwriters articles, podcasts, and projects, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. So once a week digest of everything we've worked on, what the site is up to, and other things we'd recommend each Monday. We don't believe in subjecting you to daily annoying emails, but we do believe in keeping our most passionate and loyal supporters in the loop on what we've been up to. We know how inconvenient and annoying it is to have your inbox flooded with constant reminders and useless material. That's why we run a curated weekly newsletter that gives you a once a week scoop. New subscribers help us know how many people are reading and listening to our work and want to hear more from us. So go to thepostwriter.com newsletter to sign up now.